0: We are doing a sermon series called From Jesus to Paul to Practical Living. And the idea is, I'm not recording. Thank you, Grant. I always forget. Okay, no, I was recording. Good. Um, Jesus to Paul to Practical Living. Many of you, I think, before last week probably weren't aware of this uh, sometimes issue between liking Jesus over Paul or liking Paul over Jesus. And so uh, what we're going to try to do over the next semester is take some of these really basic ideas of scripture. Today we're talking about the gospel, part one, uh, salvation, uh, Holy Spirit, things like that, and try to find some, some what seem like discrepant passages between Jesus and Paul. Uh, so that we can try to come to a more full and comprehensive understanding of uh, how these look in our daily lives. Okay, And so the sermon series really is kind of has two goals. The first goal is to bring some of these disagreements uh, into light and be able to talk about them and recognize how some of us have some propensities to like one or the other. I particularly mentioned that we love Jesus' version of the social gospel and how he treats people right, but don't often listen to much of his teaching. We say it's too hard. Or we like Paul's teaching and all the theology that is wrapped up in that. But don't pay much attention to how Paul actually lived his life. And so there seems to be kind of a disconnect between those two. And and, and we're going to, in each one of these sermon series, try to bring that back to how does this impact the way we live and think about our lives. So the whole, if you want to wrap it up into a couple of major themes, it's practical theology. It's trying to figure out exactly how does all of this stuff that we're supposed to believe and think make its way down into the daily life of how we live, how we treat people, how we make decisions, and things like that. In essence, and I tried not to use this language last week because I didn't want to steer you down a path, but we're really just talking about faith and works, and we're talking about uh, spiritual growth. That's really all we're talking about, is how do we navigate between these two uh, to really grow in our lives and not just in our brains or in our action, but both uh, coinciding. And so, if that doesn't make sense still, that's fine. Uh, Read the articles or my introductory thing that once Josh gets uh, uh, editing privileges, I'm sure will make more sense to you. All right. So, we're going to start with Luke 4 today. And we are going to be reading quite a bit of scripture as we make our way through this series. um, Particularly with a focus on sections, passages of scripture that are really meaningful. All right. And this week, we're going to go ahead and post our worship activities for you. And what we're really looking for in your worship activities uh, when you post these to our, our, our Google page is for you to think about a memorable line. We really want it to be less than 10 words and something that just really speaks to you. It's meaningful to you. It's something that you memorize, something that you'd like to memorize. And we want to incorporate that in our worship through activities, through just reading scripture, singing some songs that sort of go along with these lines. We really want to make it a a part of this series that we memorize some of these passages from scripture, okay, and particularly smaller sections. Uh, I mentioned this last week, some of you have done counseling before, uh, you know, you've been told that, you know, get a note card, write some passages on that note card, and, uh, and I think that if you Uh, We'll spend some time in your devotional times, just whenever, study times, coming up with some passages that are really one in particular that's really meaningful to you, that explains maybe something that you went through, uh, some thought that you're really trying to achieve uh, more consistency in thinking through, something that really makes you understand who God is in a way that you didn't understand before, whatever that is, that you come up with that and then you post it and let us work it into our, uh, our worship time together and if something comes to your mind as we're talking you guys know us, we're pretty informal around here, you can certainly interject that um, if you, you know, have something on your heart or on your mind that you just want to kind of say during our worship services that's, that's always fine um, so does that kind of make sense in terms of the activity It's basically you're just going to submit a, a passage of scripture in, it, in less than 10 words okay? and you can put an explanation for why this is significant to you if you want, we might ask you to read that or ask someone else to read it uh, for you if you're super shy um, but uh, that's really kind of our goal, uh, is to sort of think through these things. And we'll try to attach them to each of the uh, the sermon series that we're preaching, uh, uh, each of the themes or, or specific topics each Sunday. Okay, so let's talk about the gospel. Luke four fourteen. If you're already there, let's read uh, this. Jesus has a tendency to use the words good news rather than gospel. In fact, Paul's the one that uses gospel most often. And, uh, but, you know, I think they're talking about the same thing, which is ultimately the good news and the things that they've come to bring to a people who haven't heard this news yet uh, or haven't heard it in its entirety. So we'll start with Romans four fourteen, 14. Uh, and I'm going to read a larger chunk, so just sort of sit back. Sorry, Romans. I'm, I have Romans as my next passage. Luke four fourteen. Here we go. You're like, oh, I'm in the wrong place? Oh, no. Got to get there quicker than everyone else around me. Uh, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues, and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and on Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read the scroll of prophet Isaiah, who was was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. We'll read the entire excerpt from that uh, right before communion, which is, comes from Isaiah 61. Uh, then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. Eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, "Today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing." And everyone was excited. And amazed and they were thinking oh my gosh God has come to set us free from Rome to set us free from this you know pagan uh, opp- oppression that we've had I don't know how to give you like a common day um, analogy for you know something we would be excited about so I'm just not going to do it I think I would mess that up but they were really excited about this right now watch how quickly they turn Jesus said to them surely you will quote this proverb to me Oh, I, I missed some Uh, So all were spoke, amazed at his gracious words. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked. Jesus said to them in verse 23, Surely you will quote this proverb to me, Physician, heal yourself, and you will tell me, Do here in your hometown what what we have heard you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, No prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon and there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed only Naaman the Syrian all the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this, why? Well, in essence what he's saying is that God has sent uh, this, this person to those outside of Israel okay, to the people who we didn't expect for him to go to, which should make sense right? the thing he just said was we're going to you know, basically take care of the despised and the oppressed and the imprisoned and all the people who were sort of forgotten and left out alright and then you know we got the rest of it they took him drove him out of town took him to the brow of a hill and I, I never quite understood how he walked right through them but you know it's a miracle so maybe he just walked right through people they were so arguing with each other that uh, whatever else happens alright and then Romans 15 we'll see uh, and Paul talks a lot about the gospel okay uses that word a lot Romans 15 and I would say 1 Corinthians 15 are two really great places I think for us to in some way sum up what his understanding of this good news really is. Okay, And again, we're going to be doing a lot of this kind of comparative stuff where I try to find at least two scriptures. And in, in this first uh, you know, talk this morning, we're going to find that there's a lot of overlap. One of the main reasons we'll start with the gospel uh, is because Paul and Jesus, for the most part, really see the gospel in very similar ways. Talk about it in very similar ways. In fact, I would say the exact same way. Uh, there's some slight nuance to it. But as we get into some of these topics like next week's salvation, we're going to start to see some of the differences that come out that people have misunderstood over time and really uh, you know, have kind of botched in their choosing one perspective over the other. But today, we're going to have quite a bit of overlap, not near as much discrepancy. Romans 15, this is again a, a long one. We who are strong ought to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Each of us should please our neighbors for their good to build them up. For even Christ did not please himself. But as it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us, that through the endurance taught in scriptures and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. May the God who gives you endurance and encouragement give you the same attitude of mind toward each other that Christ Jesus had, so that with one mind and one voice you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Accept one another, then, just as Christ Jesus accepted you, In order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth. So that the promises made the patriarchs might be confirmed. And moreover that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it is written therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. Again it says rejoice you Gentiles with his people. And again praise the Lord all you Gentiles. Let all the peoples extol him. And again Isaiah says the root of Jesse will spring up one who will rise to rule over the nations. In him the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you will overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. I myself am convinced, brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with knowledge, competent to instruct one another. Yet I have written you quite boldly on some points to remind you of them again, because of the grace God gave me to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God, So the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Therefore, I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit of God. So from Jerusalem all the way to Lychium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known. So that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Rather, it is written: those who are not told about Him will see, and those who have not heard will understand. This is why I've often been hindered from coming to you. So, you know, you go back and kind to of read through these and try to understand, you know, some of the uh, the backgrounds of what they're saying. But they're basically saying the same thing about the gospel: that the gospel, the good news, and in that word. We use and it has kind of virtually no meaning anymore. We think about gospel music or gospel singers, which I guess is good news. Or maybe you think about gospel tracts, which are not good news, usually. Um, But good news is just good news. This is a word, a phrase spoken to them, not as the gospel having all of this meaning backed up, but just, it's good news. You can think of times in your life where you've gotten really good news, where you've gotten bad news. Jesus and Paul both are articulating the gospel as having been fulfilled in Jesus. And as we look through this series, one of the things we'll constantly come back to is both Jesus and Paul, and this sounds kind of weird, have the same view of Jesus that underlines everything they believe about the gospel. The gospel isn't first about the kingdom of God and about treating people right, uh, or about our salvation from sins, but it's first about God doing something through Jesus, which is miraculous and amazing. Okay? Although Jesus' his gospel was often to the Jews, specifically those who have been forgotten, disrespected, despised, as you see in his servant testimony, and Paul works primarily with the Gentiles, you, see, you, you kind of still see this sort of underlying idea of what to them really is good news. I want to suggest that there are two major parts of this. Okay, The first one is God has not forgotten, nor has he failed to act on behalf of the weak, struggling, ill, oppressed, disabled, despised, or imprisoned person. Don't try to write all that. It's like right already there, right? Uh, In those passages, you just sort of pull from it. But stop for a moment. You've heard this so many times that it means very little to you if you're not careful. It means very little to us if we're not careful. The God of the universe, the one that's in charge, the one that plans out the world, set everything in motion, created the heavens and the earth and us and everything beautiful has not forgotten about us. He's not failed to act on our behalf, particularly for the weak, the struggling, the ill, the oppressed, disabled, despised, or imprisoned, or all the other things you want to add in there. And this isn't simply figurative, guys. Oh, well, spiritually ill. and you know, Sure, that applies just as much as physically applies. We learned that in Jesus' ministry. He did both. He helped people who are spiritually confined, really confined, spiritually ill, physically ill, and everyone, uh, you know, uh, under that heading. But that's the God we serve, and we see that in Jesus. And if we're not careful, that news becomes to us old news. We need something new. We need something better. We need something different. And I, I understand different and it being explained in a different way, and I think that is absolutely great. We need to be able to proclaim the gospel in a million different ways to a million different people so that it's always understandable in their language. But for those of us who are Christian or uh, just becoming a Christian, that is never old news. That is always the best news for us. But it goes on. God will continue that work, that very work that he started about not forgetting people, about helping out those people, particularly who need it, which is every one of us, if we're honest, (laughs) not just some specific group of people who really need it. He's going to continue that work through us as the Holy Spirit teaches us how to live like Jesus. And as he develops us, as Paul would say, into a hopeful, joyful, peaceful people. Somehow God is going to take his work, do it through us, It's not going to be easy or fun all the time as both Jesus experiences immediately when he announces it and almost gets thrown off a cliff or Paul says about his imprisonments and his challenges. But he's going to do that through us as he builds us into a people that's hopeful, peaceful, and joyful. Not a people that's sad, negative, and really understand how the world really works. But a people that that are hopeful, joyful, and peaceful. I mean, that's the essence of the gospel. Those two things in my mind are the essence of what God is doing. We have a God that does those things, which is really, really, really great. Now this will come across as very vague and as like either in the past or in the future if we're not constantly mindful of the gospel in our lives. Which should, as a Christian, form the center of who we are, how we think about ourselves, and how we think about the world. But it's very easy for that not to happen, right? We see this either in the past tense as something I was really excited about when I first became a Christian, as something in the future tense as this world is so awful and maybe later on it will get better. I remember when that AI movie came out. What's that one? Uh, what was it? Terminator. Terminator. <laughs> Definitely not Terminator. <laughs> What's the good one uh, that came out? What? Ex Machina, Ex Machina Right. Everybody on NPR, for like a week, they just called a whole bunch of experts on AI. And everyone's talking about, oh, this is going to be real in five years, ten years, everybody. That's how news works. It distracts us for a time. But we move on to the next thing, the next piece of news, and completely forget about the news in the past. Many of us, this is our idea of social justice. Because we catch on to whatever social justice thing is in fad. When I was in college, it was sweatshops. When well, I pay attention to sweatshops, particularly sweatshops in Saipan. And I haven't heard about sweatshops in a long time. Other than as jokes. Uh, that some people, yeah, they use sweatshops. Ah, <laughs> you know. It's not a joke. But a news does that. If we're not careful about the gospel, it does the same thing. We've had it for a time. We'll have it in the future. It's not actually informing how we live. But, but that's just the sort of day and age we're in. We sort of live from one news cycle to the next. Talking about what's new in the news and then completely forgetting that it happened until something else comes up. It's a very narrow kind of chicken-looking-at-the-ground way of living. On our way up to Arkansas, we saw the coolest chicken farm where every chicken had its own house. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. It was the weirdest chicken farm I've ever seen. Literally, and you can ask Chelsea, there were hundreds of chickens, and each one was individually outside of its little uh, plastic container house. I, I don't even understand how that works. I thought chickens tra- traveled in packs, but it's like the modern Christian version of heaven. Everyone has their own little mansion just sitting there. They don't have to interact with any other chickens, thankfully. Um, but guys, we got to pin this up in our minds. I have this Facebook page, not web page, Facebook page where there are like the rules, it's like a buy-sell group, where like, no one is ever selling anything reasonably good or valuable, but whatever. Um, and they have the rules pinned up at the top of this page, right? We have got to figure out ways of pinning up the gospel good news in our life. Top of the page, all right? Stupid analogy, yes. Important for us to do, yes. Because if not, the most recent thing on our news feed becomes the things we're, we're interested in. It becomes the thing that's governing how we live and make decisions. Bad news, good news, what news, doesn't matter if the gospel isn't pinned there at the top. The most recent news is really what dictates how we live. That's not living in accordance with the gospel. That's living in accordance with just who we are as people. You know, fascinated with one thing to the next. One shiny object to another shiny object. But in the gospel, we have something pinned there that no matter what's happening in our most recent news feed thing, we've always can go back to look at it. And thankfully, like, unlike my terrible Flower Mound buy, sell, trade page, things are actually valuable. that are popping up. And it isn't just a bunch of rules about how you should act in this group. What's pinned up are those two things. God has not forgotten about those. is being continually at work through Jesus and through us in the Holy Spirit. And they're just there. There they are, pinned. We've got to remember them. We've got to know them. It's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15 when he's saying standing firm. We have to stand on this this gospel that we learned, and we have to stay firm to it. And that requires daily reminding, sure, but it requires uh, a, a commitment to allowing that news to really trump all other news that comes in our life. To be able to see the gospel, to see that news as being the primary filter and lens we see all other news in. I want you to think about the last time you got really great news about something. Just think about the specific moment. Think about the specific thing you got great news about. Think about something specific. I want you to do this. Yes. Don't look at me. Why are you looking at me? What am I going to give you a hint? I'm not going to hint at it. Just look somewhere else other than me. Good news. You got good news. I'm going to do it myself. (laughs) You're getting what? Why are you sharing it? (laughs) (laughs) Did I say share your good news, Tabby? (laughs) She's so used to Northeast good news sharing time that she's ready to jump on that (laughs) analogy. Oh, great. So, you probably didn't have enough time and if you didn't have enough time or if you, your good news was sabotaged by her good news um, uh, then uh, you, you, know, you know the feeling of that though, it's just really exciting and for a time it's really meaningful and, and there's just this sort of excitement that comes you know, there's a, sort of an emotional response to it And there's an impact that often we're not going to maybe know or completely understand. But we get excited about good news. And as we should, um, you know, get excited. But that wears off as time goes on. And again, if we're not careful, the gospel does the same thing in our lives. We get excited initially about it. And this is something we have to constantly remind ourselves of the excitement of what God's doing in our world and, and who we really are. It is something that we have to be diligent about. On a daily basis, we have to be reminding ourselves, this is what quiet times do for some people, but for other people, it's just being aware of these truths, particularly in spite of the good or bad news that comes our way. Because I think it's often harder for us to remember this in times of bad news, right? We get bad news, and immediately we begin to to narrow our focus and our thinking on what bad thing is happening right now. It just sort of overtakes us. That's what happened with the Israelites. Each bad thing that happened sort of just encompassed all of their thoughts and all of their living. And what did it do? It made them forget all the great things God had already done. They forgot the the overarching thing of what God had been doing from the beginning, which is leading them. It can't be that bad that we have manna because God is leading us. Now we need steak. Now we need steak. I'm hungry. I need some steak. Okay? And so we've got to do that. We've got to take uh, our, our, uh, that pinned gospel and, and be able to rem- remember it and remind ourselves of that. But especially when, uh, uh, when the bad news comes. And I think that's the power of the good news. Is that it really is the ultimate reality. So much of the way the news is presented today and so much of our reactions to news aren't objective rea- re- real reactions. We're, we over exaggerate things. We uh, maybe under-exaggerate things. The news is presented to us in a way that's really not accurate or true. And so it really gets us mad and angry. And then we find out some other piece of it. We're like, wait, why was I so mad and angry about this? But the gospel is the ultimate reality of the news that affects and impacts all other news we'll experience. It's the truth. As Christians, it is the reality. There's no other reality that comes close. What we might think could have happened, should have happened, will happen, pales in comparison to the gospel, which is the ultimate truth for a Christian. Now this is what God's doing, and nothing in the world, not you, nor I, nor any power is going to put a stop to it. That's pretty good stuff. But also being able to kind of have the good news pinned in our minds allows us to tackle the bad news and good news of life with a measure of calmness. Okay? I did a road trip yesterday. It was like four and a half hours, and like every minute of the trip, I was like ready to be home. Right? Like four hours is like just the perfect time to where you're like ready to be home. Now, if I was to take a 12 hour road trip, in the first four hours, I wouldn't even be thinking about being there. Because in the first four hours, it's like, I got 12 hours. I'm gonna wait till the last like three or four hours to really pay attention to the fact that I'm close to this spot. This is the same thing. Of what happens to us often uh, when when it comes to not pinning the gospel up is we run from one news thing to the next. Oh, that's going to happen? Then I get there, and it's like that happened. Next thing, I need to be distracted by, it. and the next thing. And the gospel gives us this sense of peace and calm and joy that Paul's talking about there. Not that we don't understand pain. Not that this is a way of like false, inauthentic positivity. It's not that at all. In fact. We can say, as Paul says and Jesus says in quoting Isaiah 61, it allows us to truly mourn with people. Because we can't give them illusions. We can't tell them short little nice things that people say like, oh, it'll all be okay uh, in, the, in the short run. We say, no, this is going to be really tough. But the thing that you're going to base it on is not that you have enough willpower to get through it or that you know, at the end of the day you're going to get better. But that God himself is working in this situation. Right. So, in some ways, we address pain head-on, and we deal with it. And we don't, we, we don't get to do the illusion stuff. Um, but the gospel enables us to do that. We don't need those illusions. So, uh, a couple kind of just practical thoughts for this. And I, I, um, because, you know, one of the goals is uh, you know, to bring this back to kind of practical living. What does it mean to practically pin the gospel in my life and in my mind on, on kind of a daily basis? One of the first things I would tell you is is that if you haven't already done this activity, you ought to write out what the good news is to you. And try to be as little churchy as you possibly can. Try try not to do the whole churchy stuff, you know, where you're using a lot of words and things that don't necessarily uh, mean something. Try to use a a language that really makes sense to you. You can explain each word. It's not fluff. Uh, What is the good news to you? We did this a couple... Uh, years back, in, when we started the UNT ministry, and uh, one of my favorite gifts I've ever gotten, uh, Kristen and Renee—some of you know them—compiled um, all of the leaders from that year. It was 2010 to 2011. Uh, they compiled their good news. They wrote out a piece of good news and shared that at Focus on Friday night, and they shared their vision. And uh, I just love it, you know. And I'd be lying if I like said, oh, "Well, you know, every couple months I go back and read through it." It's more like every couple of years, uh, but I did that this morning. And I, I wanted to share three with you because I thought they were particularly interesting. But I, I, cut, I did the picture sideways, which is really smart. So now I'll be reading sideways. <laughs> this is one of the girls. It's a part of our UTA plant uh, and uh, was an intern. And this is what she writes. Uh, she quotes the scripture, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. What I know is God is so graciously good to someone like me. Some girl who had nothing going for her, who lived for other people, who was stuck under extreme guilt and didn't understand the world. I blamed and was blamed, hated and was hated. I was depressed, worried, anxious, a self-hater, sick all the time, sick all the time, and lost. God is so good that I no longer have to live a life like that. He came and chose me. He offered me a better life. He offered me joy in unexpected places, a restful mind, clarity to know the truth from a lie, and most importantly, love unlike anything I have ever known. Not only did he do that for me, he forgave my sins. Not only did he forgive my sins, but he then invited me to be a part of things that only God can do. He gave me purpose. This news is very good. In fact, it's great news. Whether I feel God or not, whether I see God or not, God is still God. And Jesus still died so that I could live. I see things like I never saw them before. I believe like I have never believed before and I have hope that I never had before. I have a father who really loves me, who speaks to me and who hears me, all because of Jesus. Jesus is the good news. Jesus was not merely a good man or a prophet, but the son of God. He came to heal the sick, love the unlovable, give water to the thirsty, and food to the hungry. To challenge, to listen, to stand up for, and most importantly, to love. To show people the full extent of his love, even, in hopes that that we would believe. He not only died, but defeated death and rose again. He is the ultimate example and the ultimate love. Jesus is the good news. I have a couple of these. I don't know how many I want to read. How many of you guys want me to read? you want me to read another one? Yeah, yeah of course you do know. If you say no, you're like a bad person, right? <laughs> Let's see someone in our midst today. I don't want to out anyone. I didn't ask anyone if I could read theirs. So. Good. Oh, you got to turn it upside down. That works, apparently. Good news of Jesus blows my mind. Roots draw from the deep, deep love of a God for his creation. God gave up a son knowing that he would be condemned and would have to be fully separated. All for our sake. Good news is that one died for all so that we would have the opportunity. That was ridiculous. uh, To become children of God. Not the same. uh, But my phone keep dying. (laughs) Okay, no one was listening. (laughs) For us, that means spending eternity with God. We get to be a part of something bigger than all of us. The good news is that God, the creator of all things, desires a relationship with me, with you, and with all of us. We are cherished. good news of Christ means that we are free from conformity to what society or others want us to be. We don't have to try to fit in with a group of people. We have only to be accepted. We have the only acceptance that we need. good news is that God chose to use us to accomplish his will. It means we get to serve a God that will always take us back. good news is we get to pray to a God who answers prayers in ways we could never imagine. We get to worship a God who only has our best interests in mind. Good news is we don't have to try to guess how to live our lives because God gave us the perfect example in Jesus. Good news is the war is over. Separation from God lost the war to love. The good news is that we get to experience and share the perfect love that Christ brings. Good news is love. I have one more for you. Good news of the gospel to me is about hope I received despite my upbringing and my flaws, despite everything that's happened in my life that says I'm determined by my past and my parents' decisions. Good news to me is that Jesus is starting something new with me that will trickle down to each of my descendants. Mm-hmm. To my amazement, He wants to deliver me from the bondage and lies that have been dragging from my heart since I was a little girl. He tells me He can handle it. What amazing news! Good news of the gospel in my life is the reality of Jesus standing in heaven, advocating for me by name, telling God that, that telling this God that wants to be my Father that I belong to Him and Satan can't have me. Good news is the promise that he isn't going anywhere. He will bring my, me to completion, and one day I'll be exactly who he intended for me to be. Good news of the gospel to me is that he has given me a shot at an abundant life, lived to the absolute fullest. He chose me. I didn't miss it. I'm lucky enough to see him. I'm blessed enough to hear him. And I'm loved enough to be called his child. He's one of our youth ministers at the Garland Church. Write out yours. What's good news to you? It doesn't have to be profound or, you know, said in a way that you could read in front of other people. But I think this is right, step one. And put it somewhere that you can read it and pay attention to it. I think the second thing. In what areas of your life are you still living out of the bad news? This is a question that's really kind of a thoughtful question. One that you have to kind of spend some time thinking about. We all have areas of our life as we grow in Christ that the good news really kind of hasn't touched yet like that aspect of our life not been informed it's not ready to hear it or if they've heard it not quite ready to do anything about it they've heard it as if an echo as if something that they've heard but not perceived what areas of our life are we still living out of the bad news of our lives bad news meaning situations that have happened to us personality issues whatever that is actual bad news wherever I think another question that that maybe is more confusing but also helpful is what other good news has taken priority over the good news? It's called the good news for a reason. It's because it is the good news, it is the ultimate reality. What other areas of life, good news, my success, my, you know, um, some talent that I have, have really overtaken the truth of the gospel in my life? What other good news do I rest on uh, to ultimately get me by from day to day? doesn't really have its source in the gospel because god wants to take that over he doesn't want to you know kill it from our lives he doesn't want to uh you know get rid of it but he wants us to understand it in the context of what he's doing in us. as paul would say god's most is manifest in my weakness not in my strength i most understand him in those areas And then I think the third thing, and one that I would really challenge us uh, as a community, and particularly when you're young, and this challenge goes right to me, because I I have a tendency to be a real realist, you know, which means that I'm negative. (laughs) A nice way of saying that you're negative. Um, You got to talk to people about good news. As Tabby shared, you know, her good news, we have a a, a habit around here of starting a lot of uh, uh, group meetings and things with just sharing good news. And sometimes it's, it's... We're just sharing good news from our lives, and we haven't quite connected that back to the good news of the gospel, but we've got to really be able to share good news with each other. All right. That works. (laughs) We don't need them. So, okay, I'll give you guys about 30 more seconds to deal with this. I know this is very terrifying. (laughs) So, talk to people about the good news especially in ways that impact them guys i think some of us we really share good things that are happening in our lives but we don't necessarily very good at sharing the gospel with people as we interact with them being able to really renew people's understanding of what the gospel says and how it speaks into any kind of news they have in their lives good or bad and i'm not talking about cliche inauthentic positivity stuff here okay I'm not talking about the stuff where God's got it, you know. I mean, okay, maybe that works between you and someone else. When you tell me God's got it, I'm like, what does that mean? Like, I'm talking about trying to explain in words what the gospel really means. Not ignoring people, not quick fixes, but really being able to to make the gospel real in people's lives, particularly when they've gotten bad news. To be able to share with them and talk with them and, and let that reach into that world so on the one hand, we have to kind of avoid the fake authenticity that comes from uh, a religiosity that a lot of Christians use, you know, when they're trying to kind of tell people, hey, I don't really care, I don't want to talk about this anymore, so I'll just say God's got it. <laughs> not saying that's what you're doing, okay, I'm, s- I'm sorry, I'm not saying that. But we've also got to be uh, really uh, careful that we're not doing that faithless negativity stuff, because when we're young, that's really okay. You know, oh yeah, everything's just terrible, and you know, we just got to really understand that this is so bad. And it's somehow okay we let people off the hook when it comes to their faithless negativity. That's not okay either. Well, the gospel tells us that things aren't going to end negative. Sorry, it's not going to work like that. And while we might be in a situation where we're feeling those thoughts and those thinking, we need someone to come along and really share the gospel with us. So those are three ways that I... Uh, Know, kind of thought about making this a little bit more uh, practical. Do you have any things uh, you just sort of that you want to add in terms of as we do these sermon series? I love for you guys to be thinking through these, and even if it's one from the week before, not that last week we had anything that we talked about really practical because that was just more introduction. But as you kind of think and begin to implement some of these things in your life, um, yeah, you know, I'd love to just hear some feedback from you. So if you have anything, you can always post on our Facebook page, or if you have something uh, in your mind now that is uh, sort of in response. That's great, too, if you want to share. Just kind of interrupt me. I won't do the whole awkward, you know, waiting for people to share kind of thing. But if you've got one, uh, post it. And, again, the idea is how, how do we practically pin the gospel up uh, in, in our minds so that it kind of surpasses all of this good news, bad news stuff that we uh, that we have uh, from day to day. I want to read to you Isaiah 61 as we go into communion. And if you're new here, we take communion in a really ruckus way. Uh we just um, go, and uh, there'll be three people around. You'll take the bread, dip it in the, uh, the juice. But we're really loud around here, so it's just kind of a family time for us. And it's really chaotic because we're way too big for this room now. And so just be okay with that. It's all good, you know. If you just want to stay where you're at and think more you know, to yourself, that's fine too. But I want to read you Isaiah 61. I want to really read this over you, and I want you to really think about this. This is good news, guys, really good news. I'm going to read this over you, pin this somewhere in the back of your minds, okay? The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for captives, to release from darkness for the prisoners. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and in their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. and Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice, hate robbery, and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations, their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God. For he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness as a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seed to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all the nations. God, thank you so much for saving us from the repetitive cycle of good and bad news. Giving us the gospel. Thank you for saving us from the bad news. Our failures and sins and pasts and propensities, and giving us the good news in Jesus. Just serve you now as we think about um, just the power and um, all the implications of your good news in our lives. Help us not to miss it day in and day out, no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, no matter how. Challenging the road ahead is, we would pin the good news of the Gospels at the forefront of our minds and remember you in all of our days, Lord. We love you. Amen. Thanks for joining us for our sermon podcast. We would love for you to join us on Sunday morning or in one of our small groups during the week, and you can get more information about that at dentonnorthchurch.com.